This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to On the Record with your host, Ashram Lux Lucas. Another episode of On the Record. I am your host, Astrum Lux Lucis, and today we have a very special guest in house. She's toured the world with many bands and artists, including playing lead guitar for Hunter Valentine and Dance Yourself to Death. She also opened for Sia, CSS, and Cindy Lauper, and is currently working with Linda Perry, who she was discovered by on the VH1 show The Linda Perry Project. A former New York City-based artist, she now resides in Toronto, Canada. Please welcome Amy Basada from A Dream, A Coast. Oh. Hello. Happy to be here. How are you, Ashram? I'm doing good. So happy to have you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah. So tell me, you've done a lot, and you seem young, so I'm curious as to, you know, you must be a very driven person was doing music something that was always uh, a goal of yours or a dream of yours? Tell us about that little girl who was, you know, starting off in the world and said, when I grow up, I want to be this. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. When I when I was quite young, I always had a strong interest in, in guitar. Like, I just – I remember just loving the shape and, and not even knowing how to play, but my parents were – like they bought me uh, some kind of kitty guitars that were, you know, not even like fake acoustic guitars. But um, I didn't really learn how to play until I was uh, in in high school. And at that point, it was just sort of a hobby. And I I was never really thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be a musician. I just I guess it was just a really like strong love of like this like the the shape of it and like not even knowing how to play at that point. But uh, but I, I went to I went to school, like a university, which is like you know I guess we call college in Canada. And I went to university here in in Canada, like expecting to go into like a medical field, which is mm. sort of not <laughs> close to music. But um, <laughs> but something happened in in university. I, I think I, I had a friend who who asked me if I wanted to play at a bar with him, you know, just singing some cover songs. And I went and I, and I, it was the first time I had really like sang and played guitar in front of people, even though it wasn't my songs. And after that I started writing and, and it just took over. Like I, I couldn't think about anything else. Mm, Uh, Wow. So, and so did you continue to go to university at that time or were you like, Oh, I don't need to forget that. Uh, yeah, well, no, I, I finished, which was probably a good thing to do, but, um, but like, but it was during that time that like, I, I sort of got my, that's when I feel like I got bitten, um, really by music. I, I think it's because before then I had never tried very hard to write my own, um, music. Like it was, yeah, I was about 17 cause I started university at, at 17 and and it was then that I sort of sat down and I and I wrote and I sang my own songs and I thought I, I don't know that was like a that was a whole new world with the guitar for me as well 
um, because I had only just started learning how to play when I was around 17. And and I remember I I had this friend whose father, my best friend had, her father is a famous Canadian musician. Um, His name's Rick Emmett. Uh, oh, he from, was part of the from, 70s. from Triumph. From Triumph, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. on. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, when I was starting to write and I was like, I was crafting these songs, Mr. Emmett, well, that's like, you know, Rick Emmett, but I call him Mr. Emmett, uh, was like, hey, uh, yeah, Amy, why don't you come over and uh, show me some of your songs? And, and we, we did it like a few afternoons, but, and at the time, I think he was teaching college courses on songwriting and music industry and he just had me over to his basement and let me play my songs for him and he like gave me some advice and like how to how to bring out chords better like it you know I don't know how you can put a price on that but it was great <laughs> yeah so I kind of got lucky yeah. there yeah that was awesome and um, so did you kind of yeah. look up to him at that point because he was your friend's dad so there maybe there wasn't necessarily that oh wow you're Rick Emmett kind of thing factor going on, or did you have yeah, some of like that? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I knew that he was, and I had heard some Triumph songs, and like at the at the time, like when I was starting to learn how to get, play guitar, and like I was learning, like I was, you know, obviously very interested in like Led Zeppelin and uh, um, like Black Sabbath, and and I never really liked Rush, but uh, but I I knew Mr. Emmett, and then I also knew that he was, like, part of this band, but I didn't really put the two together until, like, maybe later when I would tell people, like, uh, you know, I, I knew this guy, and he'd be like, whoa, Rick Emmett, you know, I mean, usually <laughs> other, not everybody across the board is like, whoa, that's so cool, but, uh, but yeah, for the most part, he was just kind of, you know, my friend's dad, who was really nice, but kind of also intimidating, because if I came to him and like played him something and like stopped or whatever, he just had so much good advice. He was like, he was like, commit to a song. Like, don't apologize. Don't tell people like, if you're on stage, don't tell people that you're sick. Like people don't want to hear that you're sick, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, after you finish a song, I remember once I played a song and, you know, I was 17. So I was like super emo. Um, and it was about, you know, love. And after I played the song, I like had a moment, <laughs> like I had this moment where I was just like, wow, you know, so dumb yeah. when I look back on it and Mr. Emmett just like cut that shit right away he was like he was like once you finish the song it's over you don't have like it's not like you give all the emotion that you have in the song at the time that you're singing it and once it's done it's done you know nice and he had like really this is all coming back to me now I'm like oh man he was so great yeah wow so, that's that's awesome yeah. so what were some other influences for your guitar playing style uh yeah, so like I guess, um, to, yeah. I, I when I was just learning guitar before I had started to focus on uh, you know what I wanted my own sound to be, it was Led Zeppelin and then a lot of uh, Dashboard Confessional, um, you know, like a lot of sort of like that emo kind of stuff. Um, and then as my tastes developed, <laughs> I mean Led Zeppelin's always great. But as my taste developed, I started, I got into this band called The Organ, and they were from uh, Vancouver. They were a Canadian band from Vancouver, but they were doing really well. They had one album that they released, and it was it was just one of the nearest and dearest things to my heart. But they were, like, contemporary. Like, you know, they were doing it while I was 
in university. They were like my favorite band. And they had a lot of influence from the Smiths. So it was around that time that I started getting into like listening to like a bunch of new wave and and I was just like in love with the Smiths and the organ and and I think that as I started to shape my sound on the electric guitar because up until then I was mostly playing acoustic. I was like, this is what I want things to sound like, really nice space and like like the kind of like the, those clean reverbs and the jangly sort of sounds that you get from. Do you play guitar? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, you know how like Mustangs and Jaguars kind of have that like. Let's like those are like the ones that I guess most people use when they're playing this sort of. Um, that kind of genre, but I I got a Mustang guitar after that. I was like, oh, I need to have, all those, parts in order. But yeah, so I guess this is a long answer. But the the organ, and the Smiths, and, like Block Party. Those started to become like the bands that I was really trying to emulate. And so, were you now at this time becoming a solo artist, or what was the progression when you kind of started figuring yeah. out this is uh, what I want well, to do? And so, all through like all through university, you know, finishing my studies, it wasn't really. It wasn't until the end of it in my. Well, I finished when I was like. I took a long time. I'm doing air quotes for that because. Um, I mean, most people do it in four, but I guess I did it in like five and a half because I was distracted. Hmm. Um, so towards the end of it was when, up until that point, I was playing like acoustic and, and like playing acoustic shows, like singing at the university pub or, mm. you know, at mm-hmm. the local bar kind of thing. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so I was doing that one there. There was this, um, there was this little bar in the village area of Toronto, and so I was going down there and I was playing like acoustic shows and just uh just to like, you know, an audience of willing listeners, which was nice. <laughs> uh and there was one day when this girl was like uh she was like, Oh, I'm a drummer, like do you want to get together and like let's play music and I was like, Whoa, I never <laughs> I never thought about like getting a band together. I don't know, but like sure. And uh her name was Iman. And, yeah, we got together, and, and at that time, like, I was like, I really wanted to play guitar. I didn't want to sing, but we found a singer, and then we found somebody to play bass, and it was like four of us girls started getting together, and the girl who was the singer was bringing the songs, because um, I was really wary about being that much in control, like being like, I'm going to write the songs. I just I just kind of wanted to get my bearings, like just playing in a band. Mm. Um. So yeah, that was like around the time when I finished school and like I remember the band that we had crafted with the four of us which was called John Wayne. I don't know why. <laughs> we called it John Wayne and uh we played a couple shows at my university. I remember that before I graduated and then after that was done, then we sort of like I mean that was after I, I think that that was just a, it was just around the end of university then that, uh, that I was starting to play in a band but not my own yet. Why were you um, sort of hesitant to sort of take a leadership role, do you think? I think the truth is that, like, I it, I can look back on that and, and see it and know that I still have that. Um, it's, it hasn't really changed. Like, if I tell you about, like, the progression of, like, for me over the last 
you know, 10 years of playing, there has been a lot of times when I've, I've very purposely taken a backseat role because I guess I have an issue with like, just like trying to make people like play something that I've done. Mm. Um, it's you know it's tough. I mean, if you're in a group of friends, like I would never say I'm like the quiet one on the side, but I'm also never the person who's like, we're doing it, we're doing this, and everybody, you know, like it's just not my it's not my thing. Yeah. So I think that's you know, and there's always one in every group, which can be a good thing, but it's just it's never been me. So yeah. What happened with like this band, John Wayne, is that we were playing and and we were playing the songs at this. Uh, that our singer was writing, and uh, I, I guess like we kind of got to a point where I was like, uh, I, I, I started to just feel like I couldn't help it anymore. Like I really was like, no, I want to start. I want to. I want to include some of the songs that I've been writing, and I want to sing. And you know, classic, uh, dramatic sort of band thing where like the lead singer quit, and <laughs> and I guess like I took over and. And so, and so I got into that role, but it was nice because at that time I was working with my two friends who were my best friends. Like we ended up becoming best friends, the three of us in this really like great way when I was younger, uh, like through the music, like we knew each other when we started the band, but we weren't all that close. And then we were inseparable, you know? Mm. Um, and yeah, so in any case, we, we, uh, we so we started playing songs that were like a little collaborative, but I sort of like, I was writing on the lyrics and I had my like ideas and it was really really great it was uh it was fun to do but just the band never went anywhere that's sort of the end nothing bad to say about it just never kicked off yeah you guys didn't record anything well we did we did so we changed the band name from john wayne to people you know i'm not saying that's a great name either i came up with it because i thought (laughs) i was like oh i was like because then when people are like hey have you heard of people you know and then people be like what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yo, it was like that was like a really to me that's like a a very like mid two thousands move to like have mm-hmm. like a that kind of oh my god anyway yeah. um yeah well we were um so that's how actually like how I kind of became friends with Hunter Valentine because we're all from Toronto and uh, people you know we were a three piece girl band Hunter Valentine obviously was as well. And whenever they were in Toronto, they would kind of get in touch with us, and we would, they would open for us. But or if we went to New York, which we did like once or twice, we would open for them. Um, but you know, I think the music of people you know wasn't bad. It it was like fun and cool, like, but it didn't necessarily have anything that like different. I don't know. It just never seemed to break through. And Toronto is such a saturated city for music. Like there's just so many bands Mm. um, that I just think we couldn't quite, you know, break the surface of it. So, yeah. So then is that when you ended up getting into Hunter Valentine? Um, Well, that was um, at that point, I I think so. It's nice when you earlier when you said you sound young, like I guess I still am, but I am like 30 so this was when I was around 24 that people you know broke up. And I was contacted by the guitar player, she was a good friend of mine, who was playing for a band called Dance Yourself to Death. Um, and she is one of the best, like, just a phenomenal singer, great songwriter, but she can't 
tour. She has, at least at the time, she like she can't like travel like the way that touring requires you to travel. Too too much anxiety for her. So she said, you know, this band dance yourself to death. They're going on tour for like a month, and they're like starting to do European tours. Do you want to audition for them? Because she knew I wasn't doing anything at the time, and I said yes. And I went in, and they said yes. And the next thing I knew, I was hopping on a flight to Europe. Wow. Cool. Were they an all-girl band, too? They were. No, they had a a guy on keys. Um, But they were also, like, friends with Hunter Valentine. So it was sort of like there was, like, these little threads of connectivity between. I didn't really know the girls in Dance Yourself to Death or the guy before I joined, but I, we had mutual friends, so there was an, uh, there was an idea that it's like, well, we're all we, we're all like good people, kind of thing. We'll be right back. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. And we're back on the record. What was touring like then? Cause it was your first tour? Well, that was my so that was my first. I mean, first of all, it was like awesome. Yeah. It was because you know we were like traveling through like Germany and France and Dance Yourself to Death had a pretty good. They had a pretty good following. It was really exciting to go to a completely different country or a couple different countries in Europe and have people there who were like into the music. I mean, it wasn't huge crowds by any means. It was maybe like. Some nights fifty to a hundred, but to me that was kind of remarkable because because like we were in Germany. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So uh, so yeah. So and 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 that was a really great experience because it was it was sleeping on couches, eating whatever food was provided. Um, <laughs> we did have we had like a tour manager, um, this really amazing guy named Thomas who was driving us around. So it was like I was kind of really plopped into sort of the next level from what I was doing. Because people, you know, was like, okay, yeah, we were playing a lot, but we weren't touring. So this was like a step up from that. Um, like, And I just loved it, which was uh, good to find out because a lot of people love playing music, but they can't do the road. Yeah, that's usually like the downfall. Like you, you set out on a tour and you come back, okay, forget that. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, yeah, be a doctor. Well, <laughs> No, exactly, and you know the thing is with Dance Yourself to Death, um, the drummer, oh, a fantastic drummer, but she, yeah, that was it for her. She did that tour, and she was like, "I'm not, I'm not into this. I can't, 
I mean, I don't know how much of her mind was already made up about going forward in music after that anyway, but she she didn't stop writing music, but she stopped playing. Mm. Um, so, like, I saw, I saw her drop out, and then a few months later, Dance Yourself to Death went out again on another tour in Europe. We picked up this other drummer um, who is, she's doing really well with her own thing now. Her name's Maya Pastepsky. She's got a thing called Princess Century. Uh, so we got this this drummer Maya who's like, um, oh, and kind of interesting. Maya was like just she was in a bunch of projects, but she was also just like one of the best like female drummers. So people were always like asking Maya to like play for her, and we were really lucky to get her. But she also played drums once for the organ, which is the band that I was obsessed with. So I was like, oh mm. my god, like she played with the organ once. Nice. Um. Yeah. So like small sort of circles of friends there again but but yeah so we went out again with Maya and then after that tour the keyboardist didn't want to come back or was it the first one now how's my memory I don't know but like I just like you know we keep I, until it was eventually just like me my or myself and Jen the lead singer of the band who were like the only same members wow uh yeah
when you're, you know, you're out on tour and then you're, you know, things are going great. You're having a blast and you come home and then the band falls apart kind of thing. What's that like for you when that happens? Well, the thing with Dance Yourself to Death, because it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't write any of the music that we were playing. Um, there was a certain uh, a level of, of space that I had from it where it was like, you know, it sucked when people didn't want to come back. But I, I was just happy to be doing it myself. And so, like, I just wanted, I didn't, as long as Jen, like, the, the lead singer was still a part of it, I was like, okay, well, then we can keep going. And I think it's more for the fans on the other side, you know, when they're like, hey, what happened to... I mean, some of them notice. They'd be like, "Where's the the drummer that was Susan or something?" And mm, so, yeah. um, I mean, I it just it just it helped me learn that music is like and doing it. If you really want to do it, it's like it's it's so great if you can write really great songs. But it's the other side of it, and the actually going out and playing it, and doing that every night, and the people that you're traveling with, and all those other things that almost make you go for bands that have been together and have kept their same members and have, like, done it through all levels from, like, the sleeping on floors to the finally getting into hotel rooms. And, like, (laughs) you just think how incredibly impossible it must be sometimes to stay together. Yeah. Because, you know, personalities, like, you you can know someone, but then you're there with them, like, every day. Like, that's... Yeah. That's when you, like, really know someone. I learned a lot about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you have to, um, you just have to let a lot of things go. Like, you can't bring your entire self with you. You have to, like, be, like, okay with it being part of, a like, a, a, a unit instead of being your own person. And, and that can get, like, I mean, you take your time. You have your moments. You get in the shower or, like, you know, like, just any point that you might, like, go for a walk on your own, like, you enjoy it. But, you know, you have to be okay moving as like a body with other people. Mm, and yeah. that's easy for me at that point. Like, and then when dance yourself to death stopped as well, like same sort of thing. Like eventually there wasn't a reason for us to go back. I just wanted to keep touring. Cause I was like, I'm good at this and I love it. Um, which is when Hunter Valentine approached me because their guitar player had left. So, that sort of brings us to that. Like, that's how I sort of look at my, like, last 10 years. It's like the section by section of, like, what bands I was playing with. Yeah, yeah. So then how did you come to be, and I don't know if you, because you're, you've are you got a project and it's called A Dream of Coast, so I don't know if you're considering yourself a solo artist with, like, a band name or it's a band, like, how does all that work? <laughs> yeah, well, no, and, and, and that's good because, like, I, I didn't want to be, like, Amy Basada. Mm-hmm. I think that I would love if I felt like that was enough, but I just needed, I wanted a little bit of space between just me and the the project. And I think mm-hmm. by having a name that allows me to have like people that may, like I can get musicians to play with me, but they don't necessarily have to be thought like permanent, but they are part of the group, you know, but it just sort of allowed me to like, not necessarily just be like, Oh, this is, and Amy Basada also sounds like, I mean, it's sort of uh, like a singer-songwriter thing. Like, it di- it didn't sound to me like what the music was, mm, you know? Yeah. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot to be said for a name. I don't think, like, oh, if you have a great name, like, 
great. Like, that's it. But I do think that they're – I've always said, like, Aerosmith. I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, it could have been – it could have been nobody. It's not because their name was Aerosmith that it was like, yeah, they're awesome. But, like, now Aerosmith, like, I love them, and it's it's a good name because you like the music. So, I mean, but that being said, I don't really have a band right now. I've kind of – I've played a show with some musicians in Toronto who I might ask again or if I if I hopefully end up on a tour at some point, I'll obviously have to gather some some people. But at the moment, it it is just me. Like I've done everything. All the music's just been my brain so far. Mm. Yeah. And like when you go in the studio, is it then is it studio musicians playing with you? Um. Well, yeah. So the the EP that we released in September. Um, I after I left Hunter Valentine and decided to do my own thing, I I wrote everything on GarageBand on my iPad, which is like kind of like you just sit there and you're just like playing. It looks like drums, you know, like the the picture is drums and you're like hitting the kick drum and you're hitting the and that's how you're making the sounds. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I think I, I think I was pretty efficient at it. But you know, when we got to Linda's studio, she was like, okay, well we're obviously going to re-record all the drums because they sound like shit (laughs) so she brought in her um like her guy her session guy and uh he just essentially for the most part just like traced over what was done and added obviously a human element to it um but all the other stuff like i played the i played like there's only a little bit of keys in it and i played the guitar and and the guys that i was like the studio guys that i was working with um like the recording engineer uh they played some bass but yeah, for the most part, it was just the one drummer and then, and then me. So how did you end up work? Well, how did you end up getting on Linda Perry's show? Right. Um, well, that came about. So like Hunter Valentine, were they were on this show called The Real L Word. They had done the reality show thing, um, and I joined up with them. I started playing with them right after the show had finished airing. So that was a really interesting tour because, you know, it was three months and we went all over the States, like, and back again. And people were crazy. Like, you know, there was definitely music fans, but there was a lot of people there who were just there to see, like, you know, Kiyomi from the show or Laura from the show or whatever. Mm, Yeah. Um, my saving grace in that position was that I, I had appeared for a minute or two on the final episode and sort of introduced as, like, the new guitar player. So I, at least, like, people were like, oh, okay. There were still some people who were like, where's the other girl? And I was like, she looks the same. Who cares? Um, <laughs> but so they had already kind of had their hand in that. And I guess it was funny because Kiyomi and I, when we when we were, like, sometimes, like, on the drives – she had said, she was like, I really want to work with Linda Perry. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, Linda Perry would be amazing. She's, like, crazy amazing songwriter. And, like, we both had, like, a sort of, like, shared feeling about that. And then probably because she had said it and her manager um, had heard about Linda doing this thing. So so we got, we were able to, like, audition, which just meant, like, we had to sit down and have a Skype phone call, be one of the groups on her show and we got it. Wow. So, nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily know how much I, I, 
like this can it, it's 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 like when we're talking about like oh how do you, how do you get through like how do you get from one place to another as a musician and get I, I feel like I'd made a lot of decisions like deciding to join Hunter Valentine or deciding to like uh, be a part of Dance Yourself to Death. All these little things happened. I never had like this thought that was like this is going to get me here. I just sort of went with the opportunities that I thought were going to allow me to work. And so ending up working with Linda Perry was not really much of my own doing in the sense of, like, I didn't go out and ask Linda Perry. You know, these things were brought to me. But I think that if I can take any credit for it, it's that I I made the decisions to be open to to doing things. And then, you know, let's say the universe or something, like, comes back around and says, okay, like, Hey, you you did this. You made this step, and and we're gonna reward you with this opportunity. You know. So how did you? Because you you got on her show in the band Hunter mm-hmm. Valentine, but now you're working mm-hmm. with her, you know, uh, as a dream, a coast. So how did that yeah. shift come about? Well, it's sort of tough to talk about because the circumstances of that happening were you know kind of tough with myself and the girls in hunter valentine Mm -hmm. basically we were on this show as a unit we're there to work on our songs i you know at that point i'd been playing music that hunter valentine had already written and they had asked like they wanted my my me to lend my creative input to things and as we're on the show and we're, we're you know linda's giving us assignments and we're writing songs and i guess i kind of felt like we weren't we weren't doing. We weren't quite getting to a new place. I didn't really feel like it was sounding like the thing that I wanted to. Because now it was like, okay, you're not just playing songs that have been written. You're now putting your name on the ideas that are coming out. And I was struggling with the fact that I didn't feel like we were writing stuff that I was happy with. Mm. Um, and we're on the show, and and you know there was this whole thing like between like Lauren Kiyomi being like. Because I kept saying I, I don't I don't like this yet I don't whatever and they were being like well are you in or are you out and, and you have to make a decision and Linda was saying the same thing she was like you're not committing and you're not and I kept saying well I I don't know because we don't we haven't done something yet that I'm like yes you know that's what we're here for we're here to write songs and I'm here to find out if this is I never the whole thing I was never wanted to like leave the band during the course of this show but it was such an intense set of circumstances it sort of accelerated what might have happened anyway if we never went on the show like if we had tried to do it just in a natural way of just Mm -hmm. writing songs and I might have said ah guys I don't think this is for me but we were in this little bubble of like and and the focus was entirely on that moment um and so I kind of get kept being like told like I had to make a decision I had to make a decision and I was like okay I can't like it didn't feel right I was like I can't be in this band Mm, wow. Um, uh, it was it was a really like rough place, and then I thought, okay, and this is like you know during filming, and I I I I said it out loud. I was like, okay, I I can't be in this band anymore, and um, then so that was we were at the studio at Linda's studio when that conversation came out, and Lauren Kiyomi were really like disappointed and and I was like I guess I'm gonna go back to the house and pack up my stuff and get on a flight back to Toronto I was like I have no idea what I'm about to do with my life because I just 
made this big decision and um and Linda came to me because I was really shook up. I was it was it was more than just about like oh I can't play this music. It was like where am I in life right now and what am I doing and um I felt so lost and she asked yeah. me to come into her her room her studio room and and she sat down and she was like I'm gonna play the guitar because I was like I was a mess. Astrum I was like crying. I was like Whoa. Oh, <laughs> and uh and. And she said, "Come into my room. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna play some, I'm just gonna play some guitar, and you're just gonna sing." And I just, I started singing over like these chords, and stuff was coming out. Like I was so sad. And you know, this song was on the show. I mean, like I don't know how much of it appeared. I can't even really remember. That moment was surreal. And after you know we stopped playing, Linda was like, "Okay," and she walked out of the room. And I just was like, all right, what the hell just happened? And, <laughs> and you know, I, I were leaving, and the, or we were like, I left the room, and the producers came up to me, and, and none of this is on film, so it felt pretty genuine. I, you know, the, the whole thing was that they were like, well, they just want a drama. They just want this drama thing to happen. But I never thought that. Like, the producers came up to me, and they were like, Linda wants you to stay. She wants you to stay on your own and continue working. And, you know, Lauren Keown, we were like, you can't stay. Uh, And I thought, I had this really great moment. I don't know how many people get to actually be aware of these moments in their life when they happen. But I thought to myself, okay, I can can say no, I got to go. I decided to quit. This, I was brought here by this band. I was brought here with these people. And I said I wouldn't leave the band, and I did. So the right thing to do is to leave. But the other side of me was saying, you know, Amy Basada, you have this opportunity here. You have this moment where you can stand up and do something for yourself and be okay with being in the the leadership or like just being okay with being your own singular voice. So I decided to stay. And wow. It, yeah, it was it was intense and it was hard, but I don't regret that. Like I'm so proud of myself for that moment because because otherwise, what would I have done? I just would have went home. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great courage for sure. You know, because you've uh-huh. got you're you're totally on that scale. Well, if I do this, you know, it's it's kind of like. There's guilt yeah. either way, you know, but yes. in the end, you have to make the choice that's best for you in your life and then yes. just be able to, you know, be, move through what happens with it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw yeah. friends, like my friends back in Toronto who have always supported me and who have told me that I was, like, that I was meant to do this sort of thing, like, who believed in me more than I had ever felt like I believed in myself, and I thought... If they knew that I was in this position and I had this choice, they'd be like, Amy, don't be an idiot. You're staying. You stay. And you yeah. do this. Yeah. So, so I did. Yeah. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. And and, and to, to just say, like, to fast forward now, it's been a couple of years. Uh, I've seen Kiyomi and Laura. And, like, you know, it was obviously tough, but, like, we're we're good now. Like, at the time, it was very tough and tense. But I can say, like, just to 
take away any thoughts about like, oh, and then the friendships were ruined. It's like we're okay. <laughs> we, we we figured that out. That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah. But I stayed. I stayed, and and you know the the whole premise of the of the Linda Perry project was, it's not a competition. It's about songwriting, and it's like if everybody on the show does advances and opens and like seems like somebody Linda wants to continue working with, then there's a potential that she would work with everyone. I mean, it would be unlikely, but it could happen. Or on the other side of that, she'd be like, I'm not feeling any of these people. So it's yeah. been fun, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the end, she decided to work with this girl, Angeli, who was like this rapper, singer from Miami. Uh, this other girl, Candace, who's um, a very good friend of mine still, who goes under the name Hemming. Um, she's incredible. She's like a folk singer, songwriter, and she decided to do like the full like album deal with them. And to me, she said, well, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to develop you as an artist. It's not like the full deal that these other girls are getting, but if you want to work with me, you can. And, and, and that was it. It was like amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now that song, the when she was playing guitar and you were having that moment yep. and singing the song, did that develop into a song? And is that on your EP? <sighs> that song, no. Short answer, no. Okay. She did tell me like one day later after that, she said, "I want you to like try because it, it was a very like it was like loose. It was just like there wasn't really a chorus. It was just I was just singing. I was just singing stuff. Um, and uh, I sort of tried to." move it into like a song but I also felt like that was a moment and it was a point of expression where I I feel like it was more about the feeling of that and the ideas of that that then I I said okay well there was a realness in that how do I how do I get that into like the music that I'm going to do because it itself is a song and it was really hard like I guess I was just realizing like how how much I didn't know of myself and like how much I was just letting myself go along with what other people were doing. So I didn't mm. want to sit too much in that song. Like I think it was that moment. And so I, no, I've never like really made it into a song, but the, the feeling of what it was, I think I'm still trying to like get into songs that I'm writing now. Hmm. But, um, but all the songs on the EP like, after the show finished, I went back to New York. I still had a visa that allowed me to be there for a little while. Um, and I went back to New York, and I started just writing for myself. for like, And it was great, because now I was like, all right, I've got, like, this person, this incredible person who, like, I can send these songs to. And it was uh, – so, like, the songs on the EP, like, they all came out pretty much within um, – Six months, I would say. It was almost like I wrote a song each month. And at the time when I moved back to New York, I was, I didn't have a real place to stay. So I was couch surfing. I was moving. I was like staying at people's, like if somebody wasn't going to be in their apartment for a month. They were like, yeah, you can stay at my place. Um, nice. So I can think of each song as like, oh, I was in that shitty apartment or I was in like that apartment where like there was nobody home ever. Or like they're, they're almost all like attached to like a room that I was staying in. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, 
wisdom, and new customers. E-Women Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. And we're back on the record. As a songwriter, what are your songs for you? What what kind of uh, therapy do they provide for you? Because I'm a songwriter too, and it seems to be, you know, um, a therapy tool for me. For the EP, I would say that, like, the most therapeutic song for me is the last, well, no, 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 there's a couple of them, like, in the sense of, like, like, just to be specific, like, last to know, that song, like, very of the moment, but I kind of also think that there was a lot of, like, I look at songs and, like, oh, is this a personal expression, but also, like, how am I trying to craft a good song, like, so that it follows, like, the sort of understanding that I have about a song. So Last No isn't necessarily therapeutic for me in an emotional way, but it feels very satisfying to play it as sort of, like, for me, like, the math of writing a song. So, like, there's there's that. And not that I'm like, oh, I just finished that. But I, I know that I kind of completed it in this way that was, like, I want this to be like a yeah like a like a, a popular song like so it's it's I don't necessarily go through that song and go like oh yeah like it was of the moment and it was fine but uh but then like a song like empty beaches when I sit around and just play guitar on my own I I almost always come back and sing that song like it feels good to play it often because something happened with that song specifically and it's funny cuz now like at first I thought that was a song I was going to give to a friend's band I was going to be like, yo, I wrote this song, and you guys can play it. And when I played it for my friend, she was like, no, like, keep it yourself. Like, that's you have that. And uh, and so I did, and now I, it's, like, probably one of – and a lot of people say that. They're like, oh, yeah, that – I didn't think that was going to be people's favorite song. And, and you know, with, with the other songs like Last to Know and Just Like Love, there's an element of trying, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, I tried to create – I pushed it. Whereas Empty Beaches and the final song got it wrong, those are songs that just happened. Ah, uh, yeah. That that sort of difference, and 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 it's so funny because like with last no, I go, oh yeah, this song has this and that, and I put this in it, and I did, and there was there was again like that effort, um, mm-hmm. and I and I love it, and I'm proud of it, but with songs like Empty Beaches and Got It Wrong, those are the songs that I sent to Linda, and she just said, she had, like only was just like great song, but like the other songs that I I know that I worked at in a different way she would be like well you you should take like they got reworked because she was like why did you do this like you put this mm. prog rock thing in it like get rid of that so <laughs> it's funny how like even she could hear where i was pushing instead of just letting it happen yeah yeah the authenticity so like i still think like there, like every song that's on that ep i'm like very very proud of because there's a whole bunch of other stuff like obviously that was written that wasn't completed or whatever but but particularly like empty beaches it's so close to me because even though I was sort of writing it thinking that it was going to go somewhere else like 
I don't know, it just ended up being like this really natural, easy song for me.
out since you said last December or September? Uh, it came out in September. September, okay. And yeah. so do you have plans to follow up with a tour? Yeah, I would. You know, the, 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 the tough thing is that, like, a lot of, like, the connections and the music friends that I have are in the States. I am a Canadian citizen who has to have a visa to be able to play and you can't have a visa without having shows and I, I don't have like a tour mm. booked yet. So like what I, what I would love to have been able to do is like come back to New York, get a band together, start rehearsing and then we'd start booking shows. Cause like I love Toronto, but I don't feel passionately about playing music here as much. And mm. on a very practical level, if I got a band together here, I'd have to get visas for all of them as well. And I'm not going to ask them to yeah. pay for it. It's all going to be on me. So yeah. there's a lot of money, you know, that sort of like, you know, the immigration issues that are sort of at this point still need to be in place. But I'm hoping that like we can, when I say we, like maybe Linda and I can like figure out uh, some sort of like opening slot for a band. Um, because if I have those shows then I can, go to the go to immigration and say look these are guaranteed dates of work that I have and then I would get the band and so it's to be honest like the touring is a little bit of a heartache for me right now because I don't know exactly how it's going to I don't know how it's going to go down what other things do you have going on now well I, I you know I I moved home from New York so that I could like be I, you know living in a place where like I'm not I'm in my parents basement and I'm not paying rent so I have a studio now like I I put a lot of money into like so that I could create songs to the best level that I can. So I've become pretty efficient with logic and I've recorded a few things over the last year that uh, are at least good, like better demo quality than I ever had with GarageBand. So I'm still working. I'm still trying to like get, you know, add some more songs. Cause like that EP is what six songs. And, you know, now I probably have like 12 or so so that if, if we get to a point where we can, do more in Linda's studio they're like pretty much there again might just need like a better drummer to come in and and fill in things but but yeah I mean I've just been sort of continuing to write and I've been working with some I'm just trying to like actually advance my own technical knowledge like I've started being mentored by a sound engineer so that like I just feel like it's not enough that I just write music anymore like I think I really want to be able to understand how to produce it and because that's what everybody's doing now like you need, mm. if you have a good song and if it's good enough quality recording, you can put it on the internet and things can happen. So I, I just want to advance my own capabilities. Well, Amy, we are nearing the end, and I'd like to mm-hmm. give you an opportunity to share some words of wisdom with the listeners. What I've learned at this point with music, with being a musician, with trying to do it when you haven't, when, like at this point I've had a lot of really great things come my way, but I haven't. I haven't gotten to a place where I'm living off of it yet. You know, I'm not at that point yet. But it's not so much like like the luck. I don't really look at anything that's happened to me as being lucky. I think what has, I've done is that I haven't quit. <laughs> I mm. think that the difference between people who make it and who don't make it are people who haven't quit, which seems so simple. But other than a lucky, you know, shot to stardom, like through YouTube or something, for the most part, it is just in the doing. And, you know, those musicians who, I, who I've who i met along the way who don't do it anymore, it's because they quit. And then there are my friends who I've known for the last, like, six years who are just now finding success, but it's because they just 
kept going because they don't want to do anything else. And so I think everybody comes to a point where it probably happens fairly naturally that you go, I, I can't do this anymore. But for me, I don't know. I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. So it must happen because I won't stop. So I say it must happen. Like I must eventually get to that point that I dream of is being success for me, which isn't huge. It really is just like touring and having music that people listen to, um, like, you know, a, a decent audience. And yeah, that's, that's really it. Like listen to yourself, listen to yourself and, and say yes to things, say yes to opportunities. And, and I guess like if you recognize the moment between you're doing something that you're trying to do or because you think you should, but it doesn't feel right. Like, yeah, you just have to be open to that because that's, I mean, no matter what happens, that's the only way you can look back and be like, well, I did what I thought was good for me. And I don't think you can really be unhappy if that's the kind of reflection you can have in your life for anything, but also for music. Well, folks, that wraps up another episode of On the Record. Tune in next week.